Welcome to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast, this solo podcast where today we are going to be talking about intuition versus analytics. First, I want to remind everyone, if you like the show, please take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review. Doing this helps other dynamic leaders find us and helps us find other dynamic leaders. Okay, now, analytics versus intuition is the topic today, and I want to start as I normally try to on these solo pods, and that's by defining what it is that we're talking about. First, analytics. There's a few different definitions, so let's go through them all. The first definition is the science of logical analysis. The second definition, the analysis of data, typically large sets of business data by the use of mathematics, statistics, and computer software. And finally, the last definition is the patterns and other meaningful information gathered from the analysis of data. That's analytics, now intuition. The first definition of intuition is direct perception of truth, fact, etc., independent of any reasoning process immediate apprehension. The next definition is a fact, truth, etc., perceived in this way. And the last definition is a keen and quick insight. I think we can already see through the two definitions just how different these two words are. Analytics is about data. It's about facts. It's about information. Intuition is about what seems right in the moment without really having any supporting facts or data or analysis to support it. So there's a lot of reasons why I thought it was a good idea to talk about this topic today, but a few of the main reasons are because the debate between analytics and intuition is at an all-time high in sports, especially at the professional levels, and because what we learn through the good and bad of analytics and intuition can be applicable to the business world if you no longer find yourself on the playing field or coaching on the sidelines. So I think this is a really wide-ranging, applicable topic to talk about. And let's be clear before we get too far away, just like the Lion Chat episode with Danny Fay a few weeks back where we talked about working harder versus working smarter, this isn't an episode designed to be like a Skip Bayless-Stephen A. Smith debate. There doesn't need to be two hard sides to everything. This isn't politics, and even in politics... That approach is wrong, but that's a conversation for another day. Anyway, I find this topic fascinating and I want to start diving deeper into intuition first. Bobby Cox was a former Major League Baseball player and he's most well known for being the manager of the Atlanta Braves through their dominant run in the 1990s and even through the early part of the 21st century. Cox had been in baseball for a long time, first came up with the Yankees in the late 60s and was a player, was an executive, was a coach, even was a failed manager. And he took over a Braves team in 1990 that finished with the worst record in all of baseball. So National League, American League, they were the absolute worst team in baseball. And the very next year, he took them from worst to first and all the way to a World Series appearance. Throughout the 1990s, they were by far the most dominant team in terms of regular season success. They went to the World Series in 1991, in 1992, in 1995, in 1996, and in 1999. They won the World Series in 1995, 
and there was no World Series in 1994. So the only years in the 90s that the Braves didn't make the World Series was the aforementioned 1990, when they were the worst team in baseball, 1993, 1997, and 1998. And even though they didn't have the ultimate success in terms of World Series championships, there's a pretty memorable quote from one of the starting pitchers at the time, Tom Glavin, where he said that if you had told them before the decade started that they would have had that run success, and maybe they would have only gotten one World Series out of it, every single one of them would have signed up for it. And that's a lot of what I talk about where winning isn't the only thing, even at the professional level. I mean, obviously you play the game to win, but there's just a lot more that goes into how you define success or how you define excellence. And I think Glavin's point was that they found sustainability and they were happy and they were part of such an amazing culture in Atlanta during that time that even though they didn't ultimately win as many World Series as they wanted to, it was still an incredible experience. And a lot of that has to go back to Bobby Cox, who really built trust with the teams and the players that were a part of those teams in the 1990s. There's a really great quote from the legendary broadcaster Bob Costas. During the 1999 World Series, he talks about how Bobby Cox really manages and leads through intuition, through gut feeling. He had built trust and bonds with his players that allowed him to actually have conversations with them and really take them from their word, which doesn't necessarily happen, especially in a high-pressured environment like that in sports where you're going to lie, for lack of a better word, if you want an opportunity to compete and maybe you're not feeling 100%. So it was really interesting that Casas made that point. And again, this is a different time period before the information revolution really took off in sports and in the business world. So Cox was one of the most successful managers of the 90s. He was by that point a decade into his tenure as manager of the Braves and just had had so much success and uh, so many people wanted to replicate that. And a lot of Joe Torre's managerial style actually mirrored what Cox did where it was very conversational, very trust built in terms of the environment versus being more of an analytical and information type environment where that's how decisions were made. So again, different time period. But the point of me bringing Cox up is because a lot of times, even though Cox was working more off of intuition and gut than anything else, he was able to make the right decisions. And that's what happens when you have trust because let's face it, human beings aren't robots. So even if the numbers say you should do this or you should do that, if the human being on the side of the decision can't execute whatever you're asking them to do, then it doesn't matter. So Cox still needed to build an environment where he could trust his players and really any leader or manager still needs to be able to build an environment where that trust can come into play and that really is a lot of gut and intuition that can play into some of that decision making in the future. But I wanna talk about one of the infamous moments of using that gut and intuition. And I mentioned Tom Glavin a little bit earlier. Glavin was still starting pitcher on the 1999 team that made the World Series versus the Yankees. He was slated to start game one of that World Series. He came down with the flu and he got pushed back in the lineup. So he ended up 
starting game three in New York. By that point in the series, the Braves were already down 2 nothing to the Yankees in the series, and they were looking to get back into the series, big game three, swing game of the World Series. Glavin pitches really well. Pitches like typical Tom Glavin, the same Glavin that won the MVP of the 1995 World Series, won the clinching game seven of that series, was just a real gamer throughout his career, especially in the postseason. And he's pitching really well into the later innings of the game. And there comes a point where not only is it getting late in the game and it's just a natural progression to potentially using someone in the bullpen to finish things out, to start bridging the rest of the game together to get to the closer, John Rocker. But again, taking into account that Glavin had just come down with the flu and was getting over it, so his body was a little bit more worn down than even normal because he was sick. And even though he might have been a little bit better than he was prior to game one when he had to fully cancel his start, he was still coming off the flu. So unless you're Michael Jordan, a lot of times when you have the flu, that can just really knock you down. I don't care what it is. And there's a moment between innings where Glavin is in the dugout and he's talking with Bobby Cox and he's talking with Leo Mazzoni, the pitching coach. And later on, Glavin says that that conversation largely revolved around the fact if he was going to go out to start the seventh inning. And Glavin kind of really was honest. Again, just not something that typically happens. And he hemmed and hawed and he wasn't really 100% sure himself whether or not he should go back out there. And ultimately, they came to the decision that Glavin was going to start the inning. And they were just going to take it batter by batter and see what happened. And that was a gut feeling on Glavin's part. That was intuition on Cox's part to let him go out there and start the inning. He had obviously proven himself capable in many situations in the past. So Cox let him out on the mound. And it was up to Glavin to try to figure out how to finish what he started or at least get through the seventh inning. Long story short, the decision backfired. Joe Girardi let off the inning with a single and the batting order turned over to the leadoff hitter Chuck Knobloch who hit a ball to deep right field and just over the leaping try of Brian Jordan actually touched the top of Jordan's glove and hopped over the wall for a two-run home run to tie the ball game at five. Yankee Stadium went nuts and A few innings later, the Yankees won on a walk-off home run by Chad Curtis. They won the World Series the next night, and the Braves actually haven't been back to the World Series since 1999. At the time, I don't know if anyone could have predicted that it would be going on 20 years now that the Braves haven't made it back to the World Series, and they might make it back this playoffs, but that's how much one decision can affect the outcome in the trajectory of a company or an organization or a team for a very long time. It's not just a short term. They lost game three. They lost the World Series, but it's been long term. They haven't been back to the World Series since then. That's crazy to think about. And that decision, again, was just solely focused and solely based on intuition. There wasn't any really numbers to back it. I doubt that Bobby Cox had a binder or anything or anyone telling him that this was the matchup it was just hey you've been here before we've seen you succeed let's go out there get the job done and it backfired so that's a really infamous example if you're a Braves fan just a really good example in general of intuition and how 
I think at the end of the day, Cox probably made the right decision, the right call. In the heat of the moment, in the situation that they were in, given the fact that there wasn't a ton of information to support it, I think it was still the right decision. It just obviously didn't work out. So let's move to analytics. One of the primary reasons that the current Yankees manager, Aaron Boone, was hired was because of his understanding of analytics and his supposed willingness to use the information in a competitive game setting. So Aaron Boone comes in in 2018 with no managerial experience, no coaching experience whatsoever. I've talked about that on the podcast before. The Yankees win 100 games last year. They get to the postseason, and Boone is just awful. He relies way too heavily on his intuition. He's very close with pitchers like CeCe Sabathia, who he played with back in Cleveland in the early part of the 21st century. He left him in for probably an inning too long in one of Sabathia's starts during the division series against Boston. And time after time last postseason, it just seemed that Boone was managing the game as it was March rather than being October, where the stakes are a little bit higher and every pitch matters a little bit more because it's a short series and anything can happen. So Boone, even though he had the information, found himself relying a little too much on intuition during last year's postseason. This year, things, at least to this point, have switched mightily. It's contributed to a lot of the success that the Yankees have had. In the division series, Boone was very quick to not only pull his starters when they were getting weary and there were big situations coming up, but he was also quick to go away from his relievers. Twice, Adam Adovino only faced one batter, and then they moved on to another reliever, And it just seemed like Boone was a little more crisp with his decision-making process and ultimately worked out. The Yankees swept the Twins three games to none. The bullpen pitched great. The starting pitching was solid enough. And now we're starting to see that willingness that Boone had talked about probably in his interview process with the Yankees and that Brian Cashman has talked about as being a key reason as to why they hired him as manager. We're starting to see that willingness to use information in decision-making processes come to light. It'll be interesting to see as the postseason goes along, not only Boone, but other baseball managers. And baseball's a really good sport to be able to see the difference between intuition and analytics because there isn't that constant flow like there is in football and basketball where you can't really catch your breath from moment to moment, whereas in baseball you can take a second to say, hey, what's going on here? And I'm just talking about from a fan perspective perspective from an observer perspective I'm not really talking about from a managerial perspective but it'll be interesting to see how through the postseason and then in other sports this is really something that is taking full flight a lot of organizations are placing a premium on analytics and information and their decision makers are coming in with a willingness to use that data and use that support versus using their gut and intuition to make decisions And that leads us to the conversation of where does the balance come from? I mentioned earlier, building relationships, players aren't robots, they're going to fail. And when they do, you have to have the trust in them to go back to them again or get rid of them altogether. And that probably won't make for great team chemistry. So not to say of anything of how it would be hard for anyone to ever trust you again if you just cut bait so harshly. 
It's possible, like I said earlier, that Cox and the Braves could have won another World Series title or two during their dominant run in the 90s had the team had more access to information. But intuition and the basic information that they had sure did get them pretty far. It's also possible that Aaron Boone or one of the other managers, again in this postseason, may rely too heavily on numbers and miss important human contacts in game situations. And this all goes back to my whole saying that leadership is hard. It can be difficult to be an effective leader each day because there are so many variables. But I think if you can find a mix of analytics and intuition to bring to your style, you will find that through experience, when you possibly need to flex and lean harder on one or another for a particular situation, and that's probably a very good process for leaders to take, use balance and flex in particular situations wherever one or the other may be needed more. I think it's fairly clear how in a business setting, being 100% analytical will drain you and your employees. Science says that social interaction helps keep people sharp. That's why as a society, we are seeing such a drastic increase in depression because it's easier and more convenient than ever before to be isolated. In a work setting, if you are isolated and focused on your job, Purely through a numbers and information perspective, I can guarantee you, you will get burnt out and I'd be willing to bet that you won't last too long in that position either. It's the same with measuring progress. As a leader, if all you measure your employees on is numbers, then I guarantee you will not only fail, but you'll be extremely unhappy. How would you feel if you were being solely judged on numbers? Wouldn't you want your boss to take a human approach with you? To build a relationship, adding the human element into the work setting can only add positive results. However, I do want to caution that being primarily intuitive and ignoring information is probably a recipe for failure. Balance it. Give your employees a chance at accomplishing something difficult every once in a while, even if the numbers tell you differently. They might surprise you, especially if you've taken the time to understand who they are as people. That could make you even more confident as a leader. And if they fail, take a deep dive into why. Don't blame it on intuition alone or analytics alone. Success and failures can both be attributed to an over-reliance or an under-reliance of intuition or analytics. Find your balance, build your confidence with each from there, and watch yourself flourish as a leader. That's going to wrap up this solo pod episode on analytics versus intuition. As always, with any of these solo pod topics or even anything that we get into on the guest podcast, the lion chat, behind the seas, whatever type of episode it is, if you ever want to talk a little bit more in depth about it, feel free to shoot me an email, colin at talent409.com. I'm more than happy to find time to talk via phone, Skype, in person if you're in the Charlotte area. I love having these conversations, so I definitely welcome the additional input and insight from the listening audience. But that's going to wrap things up for this week. There is no Pod Thursday this week, as again, I am in Aruba, and through the power of technology, you're still able to hear this podcast today. But we are back on Monday with a very special guest episode 